This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. Welcome back, builders and remodelers. Today we're speaking with Gwen Petrick, who has been an owner of a state farm insurance office here in Woodland Hills, California for almost 30 years. In an effort to understand the strengths and limitations of our homeowner's coverage, especially when we have a major claim, it all starts with the policy we're paying for. I'm looking forward to talking to Gwen uh, as she helps us understand both how to purchase the right policy and how to best navigate a claim. I have known Gwen as a friend and colleague for many years. She's a smart business owner and truly compassionate you. person. You're welcome. <laughs> um, who has given back to our community in amazing ways. Because I know this about Gwen, I know she's the perfect person to talk about the challenges of homeowners insurance, as I believe that it's that Gwen is in this line of work because she has a genuine interest in helping people. Gwen's office carries my business insurance and within a few days of the tree falling on my house, Gwen called to um, check up on me and to ask if there's anything that I needed to claim on my business policy. I was grateful for that call and extremely fortunate that my offices behind my house were not affected and I could carry on business as usual. Before I get to the subjects um, that I want to talk to Gwen about, Gwen, you recently completed a brand new home from the ground up. How was that experience for you? <laughs> it sounds easy enough, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But the, the amount of work, and I was fortunate. My husband was the one that handled most of the construction but he had to deal with questions every day. What kind of light switch plate do you want? What kind of door handle? So I would strongly recommend having somebody that is an expert in the field with you through the entire process. Yeah. Um, was your um, builder on, lo on location in Colorado, were they able to be helpful? Yes, they were. They had they led a him team through? of people that helped walk you through it. Uh-huh. But now you have to... Be prepared to focus on that during the entire time. You can't yeah. have a lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fortunate. Uh, and are you now living in the house? Is it complete? Yes, house? we are living in the house and, and we love it. Feel? And it was fun. It's uh -huh. fun to live in some place, you know, oh, I picked that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet. Yeah, uh, it, there's yeah. nothing like it. There's nothing yeah. like it. It's true. All right. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so tell us, how did you get started in the insurance field? 
Well, I was a CPA and I worked in business about 15 years. And my husband, Randy, worked at State Farm and his father had worked at State Farm and his grandfather had worked at State Farm. And I was 30, yes, 37. And it was um, a time to decide what do I want to do with my life? And I thought about the accounting and I enjoyed it, but it really wasn't a passion for me. And Randy said, oh, there's an agent opening. Why don't you interview for that? I did. And I thought, I want to be sure I'm doing the right thing with my life. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this and see how it goes. And the first week I was in my office, I knew I'd made the right decision. I loved almost every minute of it. (laughs) And I've met fabulous people, all races, religion, you name it. I've met them. And it's just been a lot of fun and a passion for me. Wow, that's cool. I was going to, my next question was going to be, what do you love about your job? But I can see. And to be doing it for as long as you've been doing it, which is, you know, really a career, um, And to be that optimistic still about it is really heartening. Okay, so as a State Farm agent, is your office like a franchise? How does the affiliation with the parent company work? Well, you don't, it's like a franchise in that we only offer State Farm products with a few exceptions. However, you do not buy the franchise. You have to be interviewed and go through tests and then you're appointed. Uh, as an agent uh-huh. and then once you you are contracted with state farm you have to follow their rules but it's not as constrictive as a franchise would be where you pretty much have to do everything that they say to do you do have flexibility mm-hmm. so you create though and structure your own business i mean you really you you're a business owner yeah right and- i'm a business owner i decide who i'm going to hire right uh, what hours i'm going to work uh, many <clears throat> Yeah. Um, so it, it's, you. Yeah, when I first started, I took out the trash. I mean, that's <laughs> how basic that it you is. don't do that anymore, sounds like. I don't do that anymore, thankfully. Yeah, I don't either. That's a good thing. Um, now, you cover a wide variety of property and business-related policies. What do you consider your, your job description in relation specifically to homeowners policies? Well, our job is to make sure, number one, the client understands what's available with the homeowner's policy. So education is our number one goal, to make sure a policyholder understands what's available and then help them decide what coverages they want. We do not make the final decision. We're more of a consultant. It is up to the policyholder to make the final decisions. Yeah. And how, I mean, do you find that people actually understand? I mean, I feel like you speak a foreign language. Do you find that it's really hard to get that message across? Do you have some tricks of the trade you use? Well, after doing it for 30 years, I have lots of stories. Uh So I can say, okay, if this happens, this is the coverage that's going to come into play. And in reading your script, you talked about that the loss of use where you have to go live somewhere else for a while. Yeah. We'll talk about that some more. We'll talk about that, but yes, it isn't. Most people understand, especially since. I do feel like my understanding is so much greater than it was (laughs) certainly before the tree fell on my house, but yeah, I can imagine it's not, it's, it's take some deer in the headlights. You have to kind of talk through. 
Right. So then after, when, a, when you get to the point where they've got your policy, they're a client of yours, and, uh, and then there's a need to uh, make a claim, what is your job description then? What's your involvement in the claim process? You, well, they call and say, this happened, and I'd like to file a claim. And the first thing we evaluate is, with the homeowner's deductible, is it worth filing the claim? That's the first question. Yeah. If it's a small dollar amount, then it's probably better for you to take care of it yourself. And I think that's a misconception on homeowners, it, that it covers little losses. It, yeah. It's really for big, I hate to say it, like the tree falling on your house <laughs> <All right. laughs> or, or, a, or a fire burning the house to the ground. It's for big losses, not for my bike got stolen or um, a, like a few uh, branches fell on your house and didn't really cause much damage. It's for the bigger items. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, which again, you know, until you go through it, you probably don't really get an idea of what catastrophic, what the line you cross when all of a sudden it is a big enough, you know, episode to, uh, yes, the the gigantic thing on my lawn and in my roof made a right. Yes, that was pretty traumatic. It was, yes, and very visual. So we hired a public adjuster. What are your feelings about clients who hire an independent uh, private adjuster? Is there a company policy about how to work with them, or um, uh, how do you? Is it adversarial or an asset? Public adjusters are like attorneys. Once you have a public adjuster, we cannot talk to you directly anymore. We have to go through the public adjuster. And again, it's what the policyholder feels more comfortable with. If they really don't feel or believe that they can navigate the claim by themselves, they can be very useful and very helpful. However, I've had people that have had an adjuster or an, or an attorney and they call me and say, oh, what's going on? Can you help me out on this? And it's like, no, I can't. I ha you have to call your attorney and they have to call me. So it can make things a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I, it's interesting to see it from your side. Um, it's interesting because I, um, as an interior designer, I deal with a lot of people who are going through, um, you know, medium to large size claims. And I am, I really step in and do the job that um, my private adjuster did for me. And I find it not difficult to work with the insurance companies. I find that I can get through to human beings. I can rationalize with them and really explain the situation and get results for my clients. I guess I felt like when I was, we were away when the tree fell and um and my first conversations were with what I thought was like a teenager on the phone. And I don't think he got it. Like he did not get that there was a giant tree on my house. Right. I, there was now sunshine coming through, not only to my attic, but also to the home itself. And so I was like, you know what? And I, I realized at that moment I was too emotionally involved. So I, I think right. that there's definitely um, a place for it, but I see where that friction can be. Um, yeah, well, and I think that probably did add to my timeline uh, as well, because it, oh, I'm right sure. Now, yes, I'm sure it did. Yeah, it's a three step <clears throat> conversation between, you know, you, which I didn't really, I didn't really get actually until this conversation that that made it so I couldn't talk. I guess I did a little bit, but maybe not effectively talk to the company directly. So when um, 
I'm so you've witnessed all kinds of events in your career and your must, phone must start ringing off the hook when there's a fire, earthquake, flood or landslide, which we have all of those in your jurisdiction of Southern California. So how do you prepare for these events? And um, and and what are some of your most memorable claims in the in those categories? Well, I the hardest one was the Northridge earthquake. Yeah, just 94. because the volumes of claims were just unreal. Yeah. Plus, my office, we could not get in. Oh. So <laughs> we had to set up a temporary location in my home uh, until I could get moved to another agent's office. So that one, I hope I don't have to go through that again. That was very challenging. And it was hard because there was damage from almost nothing to people that really were couldn't live in their home yeah. and you had to let people know there's so many claims we're taking the people that have the most catastrophic first yeah and the the others you'll just have to wait your turn yeah um yeah. the fires did that process I'm ahead. on the 94 earthquake how long were you dealing with that process <laughs> that was still no. this is funny <clears throat> no it was about 10 years yeah and oh, wow. it, god bless people but everything was the happened because of the earthquake the crack in my pool and uh. it, this went on for about 10 years and finally they passed a law that said after this date no more earthquake claims ah okay that's yeah i guess you have to and you have to because enough is enough Enough is enough. Yeah. Um, yes. So when the dramatic event happens, either the earthquake, the fire, the flood, the tree, um, who should we call first? The, the phone number on the back of our insurance information or you? The first person you should call is somebody that can make you and the scene safer. Okay. So if there's a fire, call the fire department. If your house is flooding, find the water shutoff valve and then call a plumber. So I'm a, usually I'm about the third call in the the line, but uh, you don't have you don't have to call right away in order to file a claim. And I think that's important for people to know. Oh, yeah. you have a few days to uh -huh. you know make sure that things are stable before you call the insurance company and we start the claim process. Interesting. And um, is the process of working on a, um, toward a settlement. Um, different if um, it's part of a giant community event like the earthquake or an isolated event? If it's a what we call a catastrophic loss, you're looking at dealing with outside claims, adjusters, because State Farm is such a big company. We literally send semi-vans to that location with equipment and adjusters to work the claim and it's going to take longer. It's just because of the volume. And it's not that we don't care or we don't want to get them taken care of right away. Just the sheer numbers make it more difficult. Where if it's just you, then things get done usually pretty quick uh, because it's you and the claims adjuster. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you an experience. I was in Colorado about seven years ago, at, right after the fires. And of course, I'm an insurance agent. I said, Randy, let's go look at the fire damage. And we drove up and there was this van with State Farm logo on it. And 
I walked up and knocked on the window and that gentleman had been assigned to that area and he couldn't leave until all those claims had been settled. Wow. So it's like they actually have to move to wherever the location is, where everything. Yeah, they go to that location. He's the best friend of everybody in the neighborhood. And he can work directly with them. And it was nice, too, if they had questions, they could just walk up there and say, OK, uh, what do I do about this? And they could get checks. He also had the ability to write checks. Wow. That's a powerful uh, that's a powerful job description. Um, yes. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure with, you know, catastrophes are going on. That would be really important to have someone with sound you know, judgment who can be really of service in that way. Right. Um, and now, the other thing is I can write checks too. Uh -huh. So if you're like in your case, you were out of your house, I could write a check for 5,000 and you could go get toothpaste, find a hotel room, do the things you need to do. So you didn't have to go back into the house. Yeah, that was also an interesting process because we lived in the house for a few weeks um, while the beginning of the claim was being you know, figured out. And it was the private adjuster that brought in the engineer that said, you know what? These people should not be living under this. <laughs> no, I, uh, I can't and, believe you, know, you stayed I, there. Yeah, you know, you're in shock a little bit. So you're like, right. you know, and something that is feels permanent, like your roof all of a sudden isn't permanent. It, it's hard to grasp that reality. But yeah, that right. kind of crazy. Yes, uh, it so, is crazy. So so then at that point, after the engineer, you know, pretty much booted us from our house, um, we had the coverage um, to uh, cover temporary housing. Um, which we needed when the engineer, you know, declared it as something that was really unsafe to be in. And um, it's temporary housing part of every insurance policy. I can only speak for State Farm. Uh -huh. I have seen it on other policies. So I most policies that are what we call an HO5, which is a replacement cost homeowners policy, they do include what's called loss of use. Uh -huh. Now, the amount and the time frame can differ from policy to policy. Yeah, so how can we know how much coverage um, will be available when needed? Is, is, that, is that in the writing of the policy? Yes. It, there's a page. The first page of your insurance policy is called the declaration page. And on that page, it lists the primary coverages. And loss of use should be a line item on that page. Yeah, and then and what is the specific language we should be looking at to, to make sure we have adequate coverage? Temporary living expenses. Uh -huh. um, I would to really be on the safe side, have a two-year limitation. I know with State Farm, it's a two-year limitation uh -huh. um, because it can, especially like in the earthquake, it took a long time to get some of those houses rebuilt. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's actually, um, it's good to know. Mine, I seemed to be covered for like official, originally it was going to be six months. Then they could see that, that the process was going to take longer. They made it 12 months. In the end, I was out for 14 months and I had to pay for the last two months on my own. But that was, um, that was okay. I mean, it was because we were then decided to, you know, finish some other things in the house. Um, but, you know, on the new bills that we work on with fire from the fires in um, the Oak Park and Thousand Oaks area, it it 
definitely was two, it was two years easily for those people. Yeah, easy. I mean, fire, it took a year, really more than a year before you're up designed and uh, ready to, you know, pour a foundation and get it started. And then it takes a year to build. Right. So um, if you, if it turns out that it's a, as catastrophic as a fire and there's nothing to rebuild from, um, is there, you know, is there flexibility in how much length of coverage you get? No, whatever the policy states, it states. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can ask is, can I buy more coverage? Sometimes uh, you uh -huh. have the option of extending it from a year to two years. Uh -huh. It may cost you additional premium, but you have the option. So always mm -hmm. ask, is this the most I can get or am I able to buy more? Yeah, I think I'm going to make a list uh, off, off of this show and, you know, check my current policy, too. I certainly made a lot of changes. In fact, the interesting thing, I mean, in my case is um, when I moved into the neighborhood, we had five gorgeous eucalyptus trees in front of my house. And I thought that was an amazing, wonderful thing until shortly after we bought our house, one fell down on a house that was completely deemed... Um, unsafe they moved out and it took a year and they rebuilt the house and i immediately called my insurance carrier um, and said if a tree falls on my house am i covered and um and we adjusted the policy and then now since i've been working on the fire projects i've made sure that if you know if i had to rebuild my house that there is enough coverage to be able to rebuild it but you really have to i mean people don't want to believe these things happen to them but you really have to imagine the worst Yes, you do. And your home is probably your most valuable asset. Sure. Spend the few extra dollars it is that it takes to get better coverage. For instance, on the dwelling with State Farm, if your house is insured to the replacement cost value, yeah. then you automatically get an extra 20% above and beyond that amount. Because what happens in a fire or earthquake, building costs go up. And so you may have been insured to value, and then the disaster happens, and contractors are more, supplies are more. It's good to have that extra amount. And you also have the option, you can even buy up to 50% with State Farm. Wow. Which, in some cases, it sounds like overkill, but it's better to be overinsured than underinsured. Well, and I imagine it depends on where you live. I mean, if you're a place where there are earthquakes and fires and, you know, I don't know what, we get mudslides and, and houses Flood. fall off. <laughs> not much. Yeah. But so depending on exactly where you're located, it's, 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 you know, not a bad thing to see the whole range of what, you know, what could happen and then act accordingly. Uh, so our I do want to mention earthquake is not included in your basic homeowner's policy. Yeah, that's right. That it's, is separate. Yeah. Now, does um, State Farm have earthquake or is it other companies that you bring in for that? In California, most companies are members of the California Earthquake Authority. If we write a homeowner's policy for you and you want earthquake, then we do the policy with the California Earthquake Authority. Right, got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you are a few- add that on to our policy. You add that onto your policy. Yeah. There's a few companies that offer earthquake, but not many, and I probably would not buy those. I, the Earthquake Authority is a very solid 
company backed by the insurance help. Part of their resources are the insurance companies. Okay, I'm, I'm making lots of notes to check on, uh, on my coverage here. Um, so our insurance <laughs> company fully secured the house. We were out of town um, and they fully secured the house and tarped the roof prior to the heavy rains, which we were having that year, um, which would have caused a lot more damage. What is the insurance company's responsibility when, when the house or something is vulnerable? You and the insurance company want to mitigate the damage. So State Farm will pay for you to tarp the roof. If, let's say it just happened and you don't have time to call us. Go ahead and tarp the roof. Go ahead and put a fence around it. Anything to make it safe, plus to reduce the amount of damage. Yeah, so that's interesting you put it that way. So it's really like whoever gets there first. In our right. case, we were out of town. Um, the first phone call that I made was to Alberta, you know, as a good friend of ours, and she was our, she's our, you know, insurance carrier um, or work, uh, our agent. And she actually came by because I know, she knows where my hide key is and could um, save my cats. So we, we didn't have cats going out through the roof. And, right. uh, and she made the right calls. Yeah, she called the fire department to, um, to shut the gas and, um, and then, and then she, that's why the insurance company came. Yeah, so this is clarifying a lot for me too. So right. That's why they came because she made that call. I would, if we were home, of course, we would have done that. Right, but, but yes, go ahead and make the calls you need to make to make it safe and then call us and we'll come out, especially in a, a catastrophic loss like you had. An adjuster will get there that same day, almost yeah. unless it's like nine o'clock at night or something, but they're gonna get there pretty quick and take a look yeah. and they're going to evaluate okay do we need to call the uh, the power company are there live wires yeah yeah you know, what do we need to do yeah that's right so it's good to have either you or alberta or someone like you on your uh, auto dial. <laughs> right um, so then uh after the property stabilized what is the process next um in your experience what should the um negotiation process look like how do we start repairing with state farm in a loss like yours you would have had your own individual claims adjuster that you would have worked with mm -hmm. some claims are small enough that you have a team and anybody on the team can help you but in uh, where the tree falls on your house you really need one person that knows who the contractors are what work has been done what hasn't been done what needs to be done and they will help you through the process. The other thing is we are not the evil people keeping your money from you. Yeah, that, <laughs> I'd like to go into that conversation because it, it, yeah, there, there are all kinds of layers people don't understand. And so I have lots of questions about that. So, so start there. You're, you're not the evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, in a catastrophic loss, I would write a check for 5,000 and say, do what you need to do. Okay. Then as the claim is processed, by law, we have to write the check out to you and your mortgage company. Because there's a lien on the property, they have an interest and the check needs to be made out to them. In the earthquake, what would happen is we would make the check out to the insured. And a lot, I hate to say it, it's sad. A lot of people just ran off and abandoned the property. Yes. 
that is always a, a concern. <laughs> so the, you, you can't, we can't do that anymore. If we know that there's an interest, we have to write the check out. Uh-huh. Now, I've had insurance where the bank was really nice and helpful and um, understanding. And then I've had policyholders where the bank was just awful. Yeah, it it's really challenging. I want to... Um... So how much do you know about that process? What we went through was um, the mortgage hold, the money went to our mortgage holder. Interestingly, and I haven't said this out loud too many times, our mortgage holder had just sold our loan to another mortgage comp- you know, company. Uh, we didn't know that until we went to right. try to get the money. And then we had to find that we had to have everything sent then to a new company. Like that was completely something that happened above us. And we had no idea until we had a fine. And it took more time. Hmm? Oh yeah, took ridiculously. Time. It took that added probably a month of process to get that figured out. So then the, um, the mortgage holder has the funds and then they dole it out. I felt like they wanted us to do a half the job with a quarter of the money. And I felt like we never had enough for people to be paid properly. And luckily we had a, um, a builder that could handle that and could float the job. But if you have a smaller company building for you, you know, we, we shut down for about three weeks once because we were waiting for the inspection. So can you help us understand that inspection process? Do you know anything about how that works? I really don't. I know State Farm, what we're going to look at, we have preferred contractors that you can work with. You can choose whoever you want, but if you have a preferred contractor, they just send us the information as to what they did, and then we'll go ahead and pay. Then once the mortgage company gets that money, it's out of our control. But I think you had a very good point, Janet, work with a builder that has a track record yeah. and is well-funded because the, you're right. A lot of times they're not going to give the money out freely. They want to hang on to it as long as possible. Yeah. So just so that people understand. So what happened was um, we would do a certain amount of work and then we would call for an inspection. The inspector was sent out by the mortgage company and that took some time to schedule once we scheduled it, they would come with this form that, you know, may or may not apply to your job. And they were, you know, have to connect the dots and it's their judgment. I think it was dependent a little bit on what they had for breakfast. And if, you know, they, they got out of bed on the right side in terms of whether we were kind of stuck until we did something else when they happened to come again. I mean, it, it's a very cumbersome um, yes, it situation. is. Um, do you think, it, is it different if there's no mortgage holder, like if your home is paid off? Yes, it is very different because then the check's made out to you Yeah, and you can do what you want. Yeah, I wondered about that. Um, yeah, I've wondered about that. That certainly is another uh, reason why you should just pay off your mortgage as fast as you can. <laughs> right. Well, control. on the other thing if the claim is under 5000 we don't have to notify the mortgage so let's say you had uh, a few shingles on your roof that blew off and had a leak and the claim was under $4000 and we wrote the check to you you don't have to repair the roof or any of the damage there's no state farm police 
making sure you did what you needed to do with that money. Uh-huh. However, a couple of years later, if it leaks again and you have damage, the insurance company is not going to pay. We've already paid for that particular loss. Uh-huh. Now, I've had this happen more in auto than home where people didn't get the car repaired and then they had more damage. And then it's like, no, we're not paying because you didn't fix the car in the first place. Uh-huh. So you have to you have to keep your records of what you did for sure. Exactly. Yeah, because that be responsible and use that money for the claim so you don't have an, another claim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how about, you know, I think that with the um, Woolsey fires and the catastrophic fires in the Malibu area, there um, a lot of people seem to have been underinsured to be able to rebuild. Um, now, if you have replacement house value policy that you described before, I would imagine that that then in, would increase. Does that increase automatically with inflation of costs, or or do we should we be looking at our policy every certain amount of time? Yes, you should look at your policy because, again, if you're insured to value with State Farm, you automatically get an extra twenty percent. But I don't think every company works that way. Again, it's your most important asset. Call your insurance agent, talk to a contractor, find out what it would cost to rebuild your house to make sure you are not underinsured. We get calls all the time. If the fire's close, we get calls. <laughs> How much do I have for my homeowner's coverage? So wait, don't wait until the claim is going to happen. Be proactive. And every year when you get that policy renewal, just make a phone call and say, can we double check and make sure I'm insured to value? We have computer programs that figure that. Uh, we have underwriters that can help us. So your insurance agent is probably your best person to talk to. Yeah, and so it sounds like, I mean, like you're very involved in the process um, when there's a claim. Um, I, I really dealt with people who were removed from the people who sold me my policy. Um, right. Because there was an adjuster uh, um, assigned, as you said. Um, so are, how involved do you remain through that process? Well, it depends. If a claim is going well, I call them once and say, how is it going? Oh, it's going fine. Then I don't need to be involved. In a claim like yours, I probably will be involved because at some point in that claim, there's going to be a money issue. And I have gone ahead and sent checks yeah. to say, hey, this will get you through until you can talk to claims and get this hammered out. Yeah. But at least you have something to work with. So yes, we can get very involved. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you must be endlessly busy at times. <laughs> I, I, I know that you have, I know that you are, and yet you <laughs> manage to fit so many other amazing things into your life. Oh, um, thank you. You're welcome. So, um, when there's salvage belongings, let's talk about that. Um, no, let's don't talk about that. <laughs> is it horrible for you too? Oh, it's horrible. Oh my God. When there's a fire, people think that they're going to get their possessions back like they were before. And yeah. most of the time that's not gonna happen. It's just- well, 
it's interesting that your um, your hesitancy about it is that side. Mine was I do not want these things back that had you know debris from my attic falling through them. And we had just finished the attic floor in our attic and started storing things in it like that year. We never had anything up there before, but we had like you know baby things for my future grandchildren and things like that. I those things you know, we're never going to be okay to me, but yeah, I was, I had to meet the insurance adjuster um, that was assigned to us at this um, place where everything had gotten brought to, which was like the middle of nowhere. And all of like, I felt like my life was flashing before my eyes and she was trying to convince me that things could be cleaned. And I'm like, I'm not, would you put your grandchild in that crib or in that stroller? now that it's had lived through what it's lived through. So yeah, so so tell me about that process. It sounds like you're hesitant to believe that things are are easily resurrectable as I am. Yeah, depending on what happened, some things like clothing you can take to a dry cleaner and it's fine. In fires where there's the smoke damage and the fire department sprays on this chemical yeah that doesn't come out of anything you're better off just throwing it in the trash and save it for the insurance company take pictures for the insurance company Uh and list it if you need to but a lot of those things are not salvageable the other thing i would highly recommend is take pictures of your home, your possessions. And when you buy something new, keep a copy of the receipt, scan it, put it in your cloud file, stuff I bought, whatever you want to call it. Because what we're looking for is proof that you owned it. Yeah. And what, and and the value of what it was. And the value. Own a, you know, a TV set, you know, for one amount and, and then there's a flat screen that would be another amount. So needing to justify that. Um, and so then, and so then that negotiation process of declaring value for the replacements of things, um, how does that work? It, we're going to give you replacement costs. So if your TV is five years old and they don't make that model, we're going to find a model similar to replace it. And again, if you have receipts uh, or pictures that we can tell what you had, that makes the process so much easier. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, and how many of your clients do you feel do that? Have you experienced were really prepared for what was hit? Not like they should have been. Yeah. But things are so much easier now. You have right, right. computers that sort your photos and organize them. So when you get a new TV, it takes, what, two minutes at most to scan it and put it up in the file. It's it's so much easier now. And if you really don't want to do it yourself, you can hire people that that's what they'll do. They'll go through your home and do an inventory. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is definitely useful. I, I have, I've worked with one or two clients who were prepared that way. Um, but not more than that. Not many. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, it's a good reminder for me. We, we have photographed everything and, you know, we do have a record, but you know, when new things come into the house, you're right. We, we don't necessarily do that. And we should. The other thing is, if you do any kind of remodel work, I was just about to go there. 
<laughs> You've got to take pictures. Yeah. So yes, um, I've had clients who um, had it had a flood in their home, redid their kitchen, and then only two years later, um, something else happened that caused them ha- have to redo their kitchen, and and they needed you know to gather all that information about the investment they had made in the kitchen because otherwise you know, a kitchen, you know, their kitchen was originally 30 years old. Now it was two years old. Right. Entirely different, you know, investment. Um, so we want to take the opportunity, we wanted to take the opportunity while our, um, while we were not living in the house to be able to go in and do some additional work in the house. Um, how can people properly navigate that? I mean, I know that uh, you've already said, you know, you can't control what we do with the money. The mortgage owner cares what we do with the money. We just do, we do have to please them. But part of our problem with it was that um, I did feel like the adjuster that the insurance company sent was sort of like looking for places to trip us up. And we were, we weren't hiding the fact that we were taking a wall out and it's not what added to the timeline at all. It was the, you know, many other things. So what's, what should we, how can we navigate that? What, what can we do? Be honest with the adjuster. Say, while things are torn up, we want to do this, this, and this. And you are responsible for those costs. Now, depending, again, that's a good question. Is this going to delay the project? And are I going to be responsible for my... Uh, cost of living expenses, but you can work it out. We understand that while you're in a mess, you might as well <laughs> get it all yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, Right. Instead of going back when it's all done and say, oh, let's do this. So just, and then call your agent, just let your agent know and say, you can send the copies of the proposal and we can send it to the adjuster. Mm-hmm. So they have all the information they need to work with. Yeah, and I do believe if you do use a contractor that works with the insurance company directly, that is easier because I've, I've had that with clients very often. You know, in our case, it was impossible. I, mean, I work with contractors every day, and these are people who I know and love. I, I just couldn't imagine not, you know, having one of them rebuild my home. So that was, you know, made it maybe added a little bit of a sticky point. So Gwen, to sum it all up, how can a homeowner know if they're with a company who'll be there for them when it counts? What should we look for? First of all, make sure it's a national company. Hmm. When the Northridge earthquake hit, there was a company called 21st Century. Yeah. And they were based solely in Southern California. And they sold very cheap earthquake insurance. When the Northridge earthquake happened, they were bankrupt within a week. Oh, my gosh. Because all their money was invested in Southern California. We're State Farm. We're nationwide. So we have resources from all over the country. The second thing is, do they have a cat, what we call a cat team, a catastrophic team that can come out to help with a huge loss like that, like the Northridge earthquake or the fires that we had in Oak Park and Malibu. That's what you're looking for. You don't want a small company that is very localized because if there's a disaster, then they're probably going to be out of business. Yeah, that's amazing. I would not have thought of that. Um, 
that makes a lot of sense. All right. And then you want a company that's reputable. State yeah. Farm is known, known for paying their claims. Yeah. I know of companies, which I will not mention, that are not <laughs> yeah. known for that. Yeah. <laughs> So you want a company and having an agent is great too, because if there's a problem, they can come to my office and say, I'm not leaving until we get this resolved. Yeah. And that's another advocate you have for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's um, definitely something that makes a difference to be able to attach a face to a catastrophe that especially a face like yours, a smile oh. and <laughs> an optimistic face in the face of adversity. <laughs> right. And we know it's hard and it's difficult. We want to get you back to where you should be as quickly yeah. as possible. Very good. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Um, I am back securely in my home and I know you've helped a lot of people get there. Um, so thank you very much. Thanks for being with us. And I will um, look forward to talking to you again soon as we have other issues and questions that come up on the show. Well, you know, Jana, I love you as always. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at fromdisastertodreamhome.com. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network.
That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast.